This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Love of the Star. Stop. Welcome to the Stop. Love of the Star podcast. Stop. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan of Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan of Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And Brian, uh, we're, we're a little late for our first episode this week. Man, we, I uh, put your face on a milk carton. You know? I mean, look, I'm... I'm 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 a busy man in high demand. You Brian. are I, you I, are I, a busy man in high demand, and uh, yeah, it's nice to be back with you, Bobby. I know you're super super busy. <laughs> I was just having fun with you. I've missed I you. Know, man. I know. I've missed there, you. I've missed it, you. I know. Here's here. Uh, Mike McCarthy said we we're moving up the schedule a day because it's a Monday night game, right? So we're moving everything up. Right. So instead of a Tuesday night recording, we're doing a Wednesday night. But there we go. Brian, there we go. I I gotta tell you. Um, I'll be honest too. I was not necessarily eager to talk about a forty-two to ten massacre that we saw yeah. against the Forty ers Because here's the thing: sometimes you watch a game, you go, "Man, we got to break this yeah. down." Here's here's the entire breakdown of the Forty ers Cowboys game. That team is so much better than you, yeah. and you have no business thinking you are anywhere in their league. And they showed up and played their game, and when they do that, because of how much better they are than you, they are going to kick your ass, and that's exactly what they did. I'm thinking the loyal listeners of the Love of the Star podcast probably hate you right now for those comments. I'm sorry, guys. It's just the reality. <laughs> I mean, but there's probably a lot of people out there, guys and gals, that feel the exact same way. Uh, it was it was not their best effort. I think the if you... <laughs> And I've said this on a couple of different platforms, so my apology, but this is my favorite platform, that and the draft show. I love <laughs> love the star, and I love the draft show. Those are my platforms. Um, uh, the the run that was the toss that went for a touchdown, the yeah, you know that the the toss sweep that was the that was everything that was great about the 49ers and everything that was wrong with your team that day. The way the you know, the angles and the safeties, the way the kickout blocks, the way they seal down inside. That's That was just beautiful football by the 49ers and just really poor football by your Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Um, it wasn't um, – I, I think what was interesting, Bobby, is when we did our breakdown of the 49ers, we talked about a lot of zone coverage. You know, and how do they – how do the 49ers play their, their coverages? And – you know, we're thinking, okay, well, they're going to try and keep things in front of them, and they're going to rally to the ball and all that. And I didn't think the Cowboys really handled the man coverage that they saw from the 49ers all that well in this football game. And that, yeah. that bothered me. That bothered me that, that uh, you know. And, and it's not that they were – there were times where there were receivers open – but it was the lowest. If you're one of those guys and gals, and you always hear me say this, 
if you believe in those analytics, if you believe in numbers. The, the Dallas was right around 40, I think 46% or 48% with the, where the number of open routes that they had in that football game. And that was the lowest number that Dallas had had all season. And I, I think the 49ers did a really nice job. Lenore, Ward, Hafunga, Gibson. I think they did a, a really nice job of, 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 of button things down and not giving this Cowboy receiving core a lot of space. And ultimately, yeah. though, you paid for it. You know, the ball was going down the field, but it just the success factor just wasn't there. It was nice to see, you know, the shot to the Cooks. It's a shame Dak's momentum was carrying him towards the sidelines and for having to horse the ball that far that his momentum, and I think it drugged the ball that way. It's kind of a physics question. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you. When when I heard that brought up, so I heard some people saying like, oh, he was late getting rid of him. He was doing something. I was like, when I looked at it, Brian, I saw – at the moment Cooks came open was when Dak had to break. And yeah, so like, exactly. Like, That's, and, and then he and then he had to and because he was rolling to his left, mm-hmm. he had to turn square up and that just took it, more. So it, it just it was it was just the wrong timing for it, it to come over. For if Dak would have been able to clean pocket that thing, you're gonna and he Cooks did a great job of separating, you know, from uh, the linebacker there. I mean, he did a he did a nice job. It's just a shame that the the pass carried, you know. But you you watch what happened on the the interceptions, and you know even the one that was uh, you know the slants. You know, a couple of them came on the slants. Uh, those guys weren't. Oh, Cooks wasn't open. You know, on the slant that you know the linebacker jumped underneath. Yep. And, and then and then Gallup knocked the ball up in the air. It was a great play by Lenore to get the ball knocked up in the air, you know, playing offhand. Now, those are that's the, the, the 49ers had a really nice plan defensively how to defend you and executed it very, very well. Their offense put so much pressure on you, though. You know, the 49er offense, they put a lot of pressure on the Cowboys. Uh, every the, every throw felt every like pitching throw. catch. Well, it, it, in it, the the way now, now, that, now, not not to take anything away from Purdy, I thought Purdy made there was a couple oh, really nice moved, throws. Yeah, moves in the pocket. The he's way he, he's he's so much better than even I thought he was. Like like last year, I thought that's a good player who can fit in this scheme. Right. I think it's I think it's well, more than the scheme. Bobby, what we need to look at now when we're starting to evaluate quarterbacks is especially the young ones. How many games have they played? Like Brock Purdy in college. If you went to Iowa State and scouted, Brees Hall was a great player there. Uh, we had the edge rusher uh, that uh, the Jets took. Will McDonald. Iowa, yeah, McDonald from Iowa State. Uh, but Brock Purdy, this is a top 25 team, second, third, maybe in the uh, the Big 12 when they play. Um, you know, They've done a great job. There's not a lot of talent there. But you had guys like McDonald and Purdy and Brock uh, Brees Hall and guys like that playing. And so but I, I think a lot of it had to do with 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 Brock Purdy. And I, I was super impressed with him. I, I my I know when we do the draft shows and stuff, and I was even talking about him last year when he had to play on our show on the G Bag Nation on 1053 the fan. 
I said, hey, you guys, no, no, no. You, this guy's not Mr. Irrele- Mr. Irrelevant. This guy's got some game to him and da, 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 da. And they're like, yeah, sure, Broadus, whatever. But I'd seen enough of Iowa State film that uh, that gave me that, well, man, this, guy is, this guy's got a little makeup for uh, – he's got a little understanding of how to play this game at a high level. Uh, and Iowa State is like, and they're not going to they're not going to get all the recruits. So how did how did they finish twenty fifth in the country every year? They got guys like like those guys I mentioned. Great game plan from the 49ers. We can put this thing to bed now. Um, the the thing that bothered me, and I'll say this last thing, the thing that bothered me is how much was put into this game from a Cowboys perspective. You know how much was put, talked about and. You know, and you, you could obviously hear when Jerry and Stephen Jones came on our airwaves there at 105.3 The Fan, the disappointment in Jerry Jones' voice. You guys had a, I felt like a really good interview with Jerry. And I mean, good in a way that everybody, you know, you guys had to stand your ground on stuff. And mm-hmm. he was combative. And you could tell he was combative because he was mad. And but in a, in a, in a, in a healthy Jones. way. Yeah, in a, in exactly. a, in a healthy fr- Like, I think, I think Jerry was... I think we asked the questions we needed to ask, stood the ground, and, and yeah. Jerry answered as, as strongly and forcefully as yeah. required of him. Yeah, but you're right. This, this, this Dallas Cowboy team, as close as they were the previous two matchups, and sometimes teams have bad games. Sometimes you're just going to have a bad – you're not going to do anything on offense. You're not going to do anything on defense, and it's going to be a bad game. That was a bad game. But for how much was put into that game with thought and effort and, you know, preparation with your roster and how you're going to beat them. And, you know, man, that that was a that was a big, big, big no show uh, from Mike McCarthy and the troops. Yeah. And so, like like we said, the the entire recap of the game that you can have is San Francisco's offense kicked your ass. San Francisco's defense kicked your ass. San Francisco's coaching ass, coaching staff kicked your ass. That's yeah. the the entire game, right? Yeah, there. It, it's you know the whole the whole you, you tied it up all right there. Dan Quinn didn't have a great day. No, nope. Mike McCarthy didn't have a great day. The offensive line didn't have a great day. Dak Prescott didn't have a great day. They couldn't run the football effectively. They really didn't do very much to affect San Francisco's offense with their defensive scheme. Uh, they, you know, we we talked about it all week that. Uh, there was potential for you know, plays, pressures uh, off the right side of that San Francisco's uh, that offense with uh, Buford and McKivitz. Cowboys didn't really take advantage of that at all. McKivitz nope. blocked his ass off in that game. Buford was a you know did a n- really nice job there. So you know give them credit. Um, they they got the bragging rights uh, for at least for the time being, but. This is not. They're not going to play many teams like the 49ers. You're just not. You know, there's there now. Down the line, let's see. Let's see what. Let's see what Miami looks like and Philadelphia and Buffalo and and uh, some of these Detroit. Detroit might be another team that you have to. Detroit's good. Them. Yeah, yeah. Detroit's a good football team. Uh, so we'll we'll put. That like you said, we'll put the 49ers bed to game now na- or, or game to bed now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I mean, definitely some now larger takeaways that that we need to assess about this football team coming out of this game because, like you said, they told us this was their Super Bowl. They sure so, did. So so and it, we need to approach this as you just got beat by 32 points in the Super Bowl, 
And now we need to figure out what, what kind of a team you are. So before we jump to that, it's a good time to remind you guys that this is the Love the Star podcast. Uh, you can find the Love the Star podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Brian, the the larger takeaways. Here's I, I've got a few different thoughts that were rattling around my brain. Um, the biggest takeaway, or or the most concerning takeaway, I guess I had now that we're we're here in week six, and I know there are going to be people in the YouTube comments below complaining. You love me, by the way. Yeah, no, we I love everybody yeah, who no, comments on actually, it. I appreciate yeah. you guys watching. Yeah. I appreciate you guys commenting. It's 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 all healthy debate and discussion. But I know Absolutely, there are going to be yeah. some people in there who are going to to hate that I'm saying this after five weeks and say, you got to give it time. You can't say it. But here's the reality, I think, of what we're seeing. Well, I have a feeling of um, what you're about to say. you got to pick your quarterback or your scheme. Because the, the thing is, is that these two aren't going to work together. I, I don't go. think the quarterback's going to work in this scheme. So, look, I'm not going to tell you who to pick. I Everybody knows I'm a Dak Prescott guy. That's who I would pick. But I, I will not tell you who to pick. What I will say is I would rather have – no Dak Prescott and another quarterback in this scheme, then if you're telling me it has to be Dak in this scheme at this point, because I don't think this marriage works. So, so and I don't mean the marriage of McCarthy and Dak, but definitely this scheme, this system and this quarterback, you either need to have this quarterback playing within a different scheme because this is not fitting to his strengths and to what he does. Or if you say, this is the, the offense we want to run, then you need to go find another quarterback. That's what needs to happen is because I just, I do not think these two are compatible. Can you expand on why you don't think they're compatible? Because I think what you're talking about here, a here's the first thing. I don't even feel like this is pure West coast because they've completely, it feels like taken out a lot of the middle of the field and middle of the field throws are still within the West coast system. Uh, the, the West coast is about stretching horizontally, not going, here's a third, here's a third, stay out of here. That's not West coast to me. Um, that's the biggest thing is that it's still a modified version because you're so in your head about the turnovers and about Dak's interceptions. And what did it get you by the way, this week, it got you three interceptions still anyway, but what it is, is that it is such a regimented, tight, precise, you know, the type of system and, and the way that it's, it's so about precision and it's almost like, you know, music the way it's supposed to. When it's done right, the West Coast can be beautiful because it is so, it's meant to find, you know, everybody's in the right spot and everything just moves so, like, musically almost in in the way that it operates. Precision and tightness and and one, two, three, bop, 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 out, that kind of, that's not Dak's game. Dak's game is a little bit of, uh, it's more jazz. It's a little bit more freelance. It's it's making play. You've said it before. When he feels the game, like when he starts feeling oh, the yeah. hits, I love, Dak, to... I love when Dak feels the game. Yeah. One, one of my favorite things watching Dak coming out of Mississippi State. One of the things he's done really well throughout his career is when he rolls out and he throws. Like when he's yeah. able to get out of the pocket, when he's able to to make some things happen. And I know he's not the same mobile guy that he once was, but where Dak accelerates or, or where Dak excels is when he's able to 
just play his game. Like basically just play free. Yeah. Don't get in his head. Don't tell him, well, it has to be this way. It has to, what was the big thing that Kitna, Kitna preached was if you see it, rip it, go. Yeah. And now what you're telling him is exactly opposite of like, nope, like, like we're not even going to trust seeing it. We're going to trust one, two, three here, you know, progression here. This is what you do. Everything's got to be tight. It's feel it on this step, fall back here. Like that's the kind of stuff that I think is, is the wrong way to play with Dak Prescott. Right. Because that, that is just not conducive to what we know about him. And, and the way that he plays the game of football. So to me, I think that that's the thing. It's too precise and too regiment. Like, like, like it's just, it feels too rigid. Um, and, and I think that, like I said, this is a classical music system and Dak is a jazz player. Like that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Maybe a little big band too. Yeah. You know, I, um, boy, I really appreciate what you said about that because there's a side of me that, I've always believed this about Dak because I saw him when he was at Mississippi State just dismantle LSU one night. Yeah. And it was, he was muddied and he was bloodied and he was running and he was, you know, he was throwing. And it, that, I think Dak is a street fighter type of a quarterback, you know, and I, I, I think they're asking him to do things that you talk with the precision and you talk about the reads and the things like that. I don't know if that's necessarily Dak's strength. You know, I think Dak is pretty much like, and I'm not just saying it's just a, like a one read kind of guy. He, he's an NFL quarterback. He's a veteran guy. Always worry about the plot, the times where he doesn't see the defender. Those are the interceptions that worry me. But I think we've made so much, and I'm saying the Cowboys have made so much of a big deal about those turnovers that it's paralyzed his game. You know, his ability to his ability to to fire it and find it and all that stuff. You know, I, I just it it just bothers me when it's a third and five and he's <laughs> he throws the ball for like three yards, you know, and you're just like, why? Wait, what's going on here? And I and I get it. Hey, in this in this 49er games, there, there, there were some open receivers, but I, I gave you the metrics. There, there were a lot of guys that weren't open, but we, you know, it's when Dak is, it just, it doesn't look the same. It just does not, when you watch him, the progressions and okay, have to throw it here in the slants. And I thought Kurt Warner did a really interesting job. I don't know, Bobby, if you saw his little breakdown. Yep. You know, about depth and attention to details and what you have to do and things like that. I mean, I think that's all that's all like fair game right now. This this team offensively does not look anything like what I thought a West Coast offense would look like. You know, yeah. I, I, and I'll say this, Bobby. We were in Oxnard together and our, our station was there, but we were watching practice every day and I was seeing – you know, the bunch formations, the scatters, the motions, the, you know, every week the Cowboys have gotten less and less. And motion's just not everything. But one of your best plays of the game was bringing, bringing Turpin in motion and setting three wide receivers and running him to where he's one-on-one with the nickel corner. Yeah. And, and then Dak, you know, boom, perfect pass. Beautiful pass right there. Turpin adjusts, boom, touchdown. But that's. Where where is that? 
where where is where are we where is that you know and and that's that's the thing that that's the thing that just bothers me right now is that I know they're capable of it. I saw them do it with Turpin. I've seen some plays. We've seen some plays in some of the early games, but it just seems like it's it's just getting more just stuck in neutral. The offense is just becoming more stuck in neutral the way that they play with Dak. Yeah, and look, all it's it's a read thing. It's it's something that I'm just saying I see. Do you think it's I, his I, strength? Do you think reading is his strength? Um, I think, I think he's really good reading pre-snap. I think yeah. he, he, I think post-snap can be more lose, difficult. Lose track of where guys. Yeah. Are, I, yeah. I, I think when, I think when he's standing there and he can look at a pre-snap, I think he's good at being able to recognize what's being disguised. Who's yeah. actually coming. Who's not, yeah. who's going to draw. Like, I think That's he's why good he plays at that. well in the blitz. Yeah, you know, he, I, I think he's a pretty good blitz quarterback. Yeah, I think I think he's really good at that. It's the stuff where it's a linebacker sitting or, or doing something. Right. different. That's where it becomes. And look, a murky. Yeah, the West or, Coast, again, it's it's this is an audio medium in a lot of ways. I mean, some people are watching us on YouTube, but most people who, who consume us are listening. So I, I'm going to try to to explain it as best I can when we're sitting here, you know, uh, just trying to describe it. But essentially, just imagine at the snap of the ball. The way this system is supposed to work is with everybody hitting their steps and Dak falling back on his three-step or his five-step or whatever else, and everybody is supposed to be in a rhythm and and hitting these certain marks in these certain spots. And the idea of it, especially against like a zone coverage, for instance, is that you're going to be able to find these little pockets where if everything's in time, it's going to fit just perfectly. Purdy had a throw that fit just perfectly between the uh, the linebacker and the safety in this game, where he just threaded the needle, and it's because it just it, it fit. Oh, it threw it over the top of Vander. Yeah, right? yeah. Was where, that where the just, one? The uh, the one to Ayuk, I believe. Yeah. Oh, was. that was yeah. Cro- crossing over the middle of the field. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's the way it's in theory supposed to work is that everything's going to hit in this rhythm and this timing that will just slice right through even these thin margins in the zone. So when you talk about a quarterback who as much as I like him, a lot of times the biggest problem is like, oh, uh, you know, gets maybe a little tunnel visioned and doesn't see the linebacker sitting here or just moves it. Those are the ones that can get you in trouble sometimes. That's the exact type of issues or deficiencies I would not want to put in this scheme. Like, and so to me, like I said, I, I think it feels very much like if you're absolutely committed to this scheme, then go get a new quarterback. That's not what I want to do. I would, I think the quarterback is better than this scheme is. And so I would be in favor of getting that scheme, but regardless, the worst option to me is keeping the quarterback in this scheme because I just, I don't think that that's sustainable. Do you, uh, I mean, we don't want to speculate on issues and problems and things like that, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, some of it we don't have to speculate on. Some of it's in front of us, like CeeDee Lamb being frustrated and... Okay, is is that CeeDee Lamb frustrated with just the way the game's going? Or is that CeeDee Lamb's frustrated that he's not having the, the targets or the success or the downfield plays that he's had throughout his career jerry told us it's he wanted the ball more that's what jerry said when we talked to him um because he looked a little frustrated even after the new england game and they won by 30 or whatever they did right um i think that 
he definitely seemed to have an expectation because I don't think he's one to, to sugarcoat things. He seemed to have an expectation in training camp that they were going to push the ball down the field and he was going to reap the benefits of that. And right. that has not happened. He told us, he said when we interviewed him on, on Sean and RJ at training camp, he said a warning to defense. He's like, y'all better back up. He's like, yeah. if, if you don't, you, you do so at your own risk. And he's seen none of that. And so I think for three weeks now, he's very frustrated. It started in Arizona where we where there was a lot of frustration with like, hey, you can take advantage of the secondary a little bit. And the offensive line's kind of holding up here in the second half. Why are we not pushing the ball down the field? And I think CeeDee Lamb probably felt the same way. Here's the interesting thing to me. I don't think this is just about Dak Prescott. Brian, when you watch the tape, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I know I do. I see several players on the offensive side of the ball who look like they're not comfortable in this offense right now. And is that is that a growing pains and getting used to it and becoming comfortable in it and it's just a matter of time? Or is it time is not going to fix the fact that these players don't feel comfortable in this? They just don't. Um, so that's the thing I guess we're trying to figure out now is, is their level of comfort, at least from how I see it, when I watch their body language on the sidelines or when you watch them going through this scheme and, and some of the missteps that they have, I guess the question just becomes, is that an issue of time and they've still got to put in more work in it? Or is it just, no, this is the way it's going to be for these guys because they are not comfortable playing in it. And I, I don't know. I kind of, it, 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 it makes me think when I see what's going on with Brandon cooks, you know, that's, that's the thing I've, I've always seen kind of like Brandon cooks everywhere he's ever been. It seems like that he, he finds a way he's explosive, you know, and we just haven't seen that from him. Thousand yards, no matter the quarterback, no matter, no matter the scheme. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that you know you just wonder. And like, actually, you know, three of Dak's interceptions were to him or mm-hmm. at him. Yeah, and, and you and you're thinking, well, the one that he threw down the middle of the field that was just, you know, I mean, that was just that, that you know you see even see Dak had that smirk on his face, but it makes you wonder the, the a deep ball. Bit. Yeah, the deep the, ball. That, and, and to be fair, I think that one was just that's yeah. the, you're you're down. You're just trying to make something. You're just going all right. Let's try to sure. make something happen. And it's sure. just it was it was reckless. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, it, and it was. And to me, I I just kind of I don't know. I mean, I I I I expected just so much more when we were in Oxnard. I just did. I I I. I you know the 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 cowboy offense was going after the cowboy defense, and the biggest problems they had were they weren't able to always block the cowboys' offense. You know, or excuse me, the cowboys' defense. Excuse me. Yeah, but but you did see some plays, some success, some good routes. You know, you you saw things that would kind of give you a little little like, okay, this is gonna this is gonna be different here today. You know, and I, I just I haven't seen that. I haven't been impressed when I watched the tape. I'm not impressed by the routes. I'm not impressed by uh, some creativity. We've talked about, and by the way, we need to figure out who the who's installing the red zone package stuff. Yeah, that, we do. You, you think it's and can we speculate? Scott Tolzine or rookie? Coach? I don't know if it's Tolzine. I mean, Nussmeyer did it previously. So I That's mean, if I'm you're saying. just say, if you if you're just saying the quarterbacks coach would. Continue that to do guy, that, yeah. I don't know. Then, yeah, so, it, it I don't would want to. We just don't yeah, know. We just don't know. But you, you, and, I, and I'm one of these guys too. That man, I just thought there was so much turnover, Bobby. I thought there was turnover. You know, the play caller, the quarterback coach, 
the OC, the running back coach, the offensive line guy. I just thought there was so much turnover. And it, it, it just seems like it's, it's, it just doesn't appear like this is a fit for whether it's the, the receivers or the quarterback. You know, even Tony Pollard's down, you know, the way they're running the football. He's down. Now, they've been in some blowout games and stuff like that where they probably haven't had to use him. But do you have real confidence this team could run the football? There what was a lot. There was the a things- lot of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. There was a, there, there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, you're good. Yeah. The, the thing was, you know, one of the things that people talked about, if you believe in the metrics, I always say that the, the, the weakness of San Francisco was maybe some run defense stuff. You know, maybe believe it or not, with the linebackers they had, maybe there was some, you know, maybe it was some of that. But, you know, with if you look at the metrics and where they were ranked, but Dallas seemed like they could run, you know, two feet, you know, against the against the 49ers. Yeah. And so, that was one of the criticisms that we saw a little bit. Like when you look at there were some analysts I know um, early this week that were talking about it that were just surprised that why did Dallas think trying to get wide on San Francisco's defense with the running game was going to work. Well, maybe in it, and especially with the fact that we all felt like that they were better matched up inside with Martin and, and Smith. Now we had Brian Baldinger on uh, today from the NFL network and on the radio show on one Oh five, three, the fan. And he was pretty, he says, man, he goes, I'm the biggest Tyler Smith fan. But Tyler Smith didn't play one of his better games. So, you know, Tyler Smith played really well the week before, but then struggled a little bit in this game. And I just kind of felt like that they were better equipped. Now, does that mean you have to run every ball inside? No. But, man, it, it just – but the game got out of hand too, you know? The game, maybe it just – they took you out of that as well. Yeah. But I was I was surprised that they just weren't able to get anything going and then – I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that that I'm not seeing that I thought I was going to see with with Mike McCarthy, and it's it's reminded me a little bit of some of the things that that they dealt with in Green Bay. You know, is is this offense just what it is? Is there any? And I'm not going to say creativity to it or anything like that because I think the touchdown play was a pretty creative play that they ran. Is there any flexibility to it? I, that's the question. Is 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 it too rigid? Is it too rigid? I, I you go out there and lay another egg and not move the ball, and 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 we're going to do another show where we're going to get into the Chargers and how they play. There's going to be some things that you better be ready for when you're dealing with this team, uh, as far as their defense goes. But that's another team that plays a lot of zone coverage too. Seventy percent zone, thirty percent man. Now, if you watch the Cowboys' receivers struggle with man coverage, maybe we'll see Asante Samuel and those guys and Davis play a little tighter coverage this week and see if they can find a way to disrupt the Cowboys. If 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 it's about if teams are, are disrupting and, and making it hard on Dak with the timing and the receivers, you know that's. That's playing right into uh, their hands in a good way. One of the and, and we'll go to the mailbag here in just a second, but I will say you mentioned the Chargers, and if you go out there and lay another egg, if you go, let's say, let's say it's a duplicate game. I mean, literally everything else, every single play mirrors the one you had from San Francisco. You lose forty-two to ten. You you get your ass kicked by the Chargers on prime time. Yeah, 
with Kellen Moore across from you. And then you sit in the bye week for two weeks. We've talked about this a lot. I know people have heard me say it where if you lose those two games in embarrassing fashion and then they have to sit into the bye week. What do you think something changes, whether it's I, a, pers- a personnel yeah. move, a staff move, a move in responsibilities? I know Jerry said nothing. Jerry right. said this week, nothing's changing. But yeah. that, that I think that's going to be a very different thought if he has to sit for two weeks on a Chargers loss like he did with the one against the 49ers. But do you think that moves the needle for them to say, hey, something's got to change? The old wacky June prediction on the radio, right? Yeah. Somebody else starts to call plays. You know, that's um, – I kind of felt like – and the only reason that I said that, and Jerry on, on your show said, no, absolutely not, we're not going that route – but what if Mike McCarthy's the one? What if Mike McCarthy looks at it and says, we need to do something different? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I need to do something different here. Maybe I need to be more of a uh, maybe observing role and let Brian call the plays here. You know, and, and, and let Brian see if he can find a little spark here with uh, this. Uh, the 49ers are going to make you look bad. They really, really are. But you're right. If something were to happen, well, Arizona, see, that's the one that gets me. Arizona defensively had been given up yards and points, and they gave the Giants 21 unanswered points to lose that game. And now all of a sudden, you know, that that loss to Arizona is a bad loss. And then you get handled. Two out of the last three weeks, your offense hasn't been good enough, but neither has your defense. You know, your defense wasn't great in Arizona either. And a lot of it had to do with the three linemen being out, but the three linemen didn't cost you that game. You know, the way Arizona played. I would say that if they go out, and and it doesn't have to be a blowout, but say they struggle, they lose this game, and now it's a situation, maybe Mike McCarthy's the one that says, okay, we need to do something different. Maybe it's not Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones asking, but it's Mike McCarthy saying, hey, we're three and three, uh, this would be a good opportunity to – because Mike is the one that wanted to do this. Now, Mike could write it out, but Mike has had a history when things aren't good. He he went to Tom Clements in Green Bay. He's he's given up play calling before. And maybe he doesn't ever want to give up play calling again. But he might also say, hey, I need to do something different here. And that's where I think that Brian Schottenheimer comes in if if – they somehow don't are not successful in this game, uh, and they and they struggle on offense. You know, they get in a game and Chargers put up you know twenty eight, and they put up thirteen. You know, and they look bad, and there's no there's no rhythm to their offense. Nobody's getting open. You know, there's no you know no, nothing happening that maybe you can maybe that's where you would point to that you know a three and three team might need a, a jump start. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. Uh, this is where we turn things over to our dear, sweet listeners for thank you their guys thoughts. so much. Yeah, yeah, thank you guys for everything. Really, yeah, we absolutely we we blew by our record number of downloads last month, so we are we're absolutely appreciative of you guys. 
and everything that you do. First question here uh, from Stacy: Do you think the front office has any reservations about extending CD Lamb? Um, Jerry's comments uh, on the other day was weird, but not sure if that was just Jerry being Jerry. Jerry had said so. CD Lamb was incredibly frustrated during the 49ers game. It was it was not good body language. He was he was unhappy. There were some tense interactions on the sidelines at times. Um, and Mike McCarthy said he's pissed off that that CD's pissed off. When we asked Jerry about why CD was upset, he's like, "Well, he wants the ball." It's yeah. like, "Okay, well, well, who needs to you, you know who needs to get him the ball? What, what's the function of that?" And he's like, "Well, look, I mean, every receiver would like to get more touches." It's like, "Yeah, but you would like him to get more touches, right?" He's like, "Not necessarily. I, I'm not saying that." And, and it, it was it was very interesting where it was just like, no, I, I, I'm not necessarily wanting to stand up here and say CD needs to get the ball more when I think CD clearly wants the ball more. Uh, so, Brian, do you think that's any sort of a negotiating tactic or are there reservations about him or, or, or do you think that's just a little flippant comment and, and maybe Jerry was was just speaking a little off the cuff? I think Jerry off the cuff on this one. I think they really do like CD Lamb. Uh, I'm. Um, I think CeeDee Lamb, I, I love the way he competes. I think he takes things personal. Um, I hate when he sulks, though. I mean, that's, you know, we, we all get mad. We all get upset. But, you know, he he needs to he needs to try and pull himself together and, and find a way. We've seen CeeDee Lamb before have bad quarters or bad half and then turn around in the second half and just light people up, you know, the way he plays. Um I kind of feel like there's – I think there's a lot of pressure on C.D. Lamb to get that contract. You know, he, yeah. saw, he saw Diggs get his contract. He's seen Terrence Steele get his contract. You know, to be honest with you, I thought, I thought Lamb's contract would be the one that was probably the easiest to do. I yeah, just, I, I did just, too. I, I thought Diggs was going to be the most difficult, and, and maybe they weren't going to do anything with Steele. But, you know, it, it's – as long as, as long as Lamb goes out there with the attitude is I don't have to be the highest paid wide receiver, and I could be in the top say eight when it comes to being paid, and it's a deal that he can work with, then I think the Cowboys will work with him. But if he wants to go out and reset the market and stuff, that just doesn't play into the wheelhouse of the Cowboys. But I do think there's a level of frustration that he knows that performing and getting noticed. That way, I mean, he's been highly successful, but getting noticed in the numbers and stuff equal more of a payday. And I think that's where he's kind of frustrated right now. We got several uh, questions uh, on this front from uh, Andy, Gordon, several people had asked about it. Uh, and that is the the expectation that the Cowboys are about to sign Rashawn Evans, the linebacker, mm. uh, formerly from Alabama. He'd played with the Titans a little bit. Um, he's been, I know he's with the Eagles practice squad most recently. Um, just your thoughts on, on Evans uh, as a player when he's coming out. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch him any since the the news broke. I know I remember that he was a, a very smart guy. I, I got to know him a little bit during the draft process and then interviewed him a couple times. Um, very smart guy, loved football. Um you know, he was he was somebody who I think at the time, I, I mean, I know the Cowboys were very interested in at the time. It's just they had Vander Esch hire. Vander Esch was there for them when they picked him. Um, but any thoughts on Rashawn Evans, what you remember about him? Yeah, the, the, the one thought I asked, you know, my gang is seven. 
if if you're new to the broadcast, when I say Gang of Seven, I do this on the radio too, so uh, you'll know. Um, there's guys and gals around the league that are general managers, director of player personnel guys. Uh, they're the ones that watch all this tape. They help me with when I have a question about the workouts. They'll ask, "Hey, rank these guys in order of how you would uh, how you would uh, view them, how you would sign them." And and when you look at uh, when you look at Evans, uh, he was on the top of my general manager list of you know, when they started talking about, hey, can you trade for a linebacker? Can you go sign a linebacker? Can you poach a linebacker? You know, I, I kind of go through all that and everybody seemed to have Evans as that guy that, you know, you would go sign. The 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 common thread for him was instinctive linebacker. He's got some thump to the way he plays. So it makes a little bit more of a sense when you start to talk about uh, how they want to play their linebackers. We'll see this week with Micah's probably going to have to play some off-ball linebacker for you this week. Still kind of waiting for Damone Clark to have a game like he did against New England. I think there needs to be a little bit more consistency with his game. But with Evans, I mentioned the inst- uh, the instinctive way he plays, the thump, the motor, and uh, and he's played in a lot of NFL games. And so they're needing that type of a guy. Because this is going to be, uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do this with Malik Jefferson as much, but you know we'll uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But I think you're going to see Micah Parsons play more off ball, certain situations, maybe some edge, but they're, they're, him and Clark are going to have to hold things up, you know, until Van Der Esch gets back. Next question here from Mario: uh, Will the Cowboys have more success replacing Turpin? Uh, slash Goodwin on special teams or replacing LVE on defense. Um, so that's that's a little complex question. So yeah. Goodwin, because if you're coupling them together, the value of Goodwin and Turpin having to combine those replacements versus just LVE. Um, Goodwin is not just a great special teamer. Goodwin's one of the big locker guys. Um, Goodwin is one of the only guys that that seem to be able to to kind of chat a little bit and connect with CD during the game the other day on the sideline. That was one of the guys that CD was actually sitting there engaging with for an extended period of time while he was very frustrated. Um, So you're losing an emotional leader, a great special teamer. And this is for all of his faults. Kelvin Joseph was really good on special teams. So you've now lost two good special teamers. Um, And and so that's a big loss right there. Turpin. I mean, I think Deuce Vaughn can do decent things in the return game. Um, I, I think they can find some guys to do returns. I think that you might know. be Rico Dowdle, but man, the question you now have about that. Okay. Uh, how many returns are you going to have a game with Rico Dowdle back there? And do you mm-hmm. worry about exposing your legitimate second running back to potential kickoff returns? Yeah. Those are the things you have to kind of think about uh, when you, when you're, but Vaughn could be, you know, Vaughn could be that guy. Uh, it'd be more of an opportunity for him uh, to be able to do those kinds of things. I, I think that they'll find a way to replace CJ. I, I do. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think they'll find a guy, McQuamu, somebody like that will, you know, maybe Scott. You know, somebody has to develop. Somebody has to step up here. You know, they've got plenty of defensive backs that can, that can play that role. So it'd be a good opportunity for, 
you know, somebody to, to, to be that person that's able to cover kicks and, you know, gives you a little bit of leadership, uh, you know, in that, in that area. But replacing Vander Esch more difficult than those two. Much yes. more. Yeah. yeah. It, but, it, but okay. You're replacing him. You know, what's so, what's so ironic about this is that it was, by, by the way, are they, do you think they're regretting? And maybe this is where you're going. Do you think they're regretting the Devin Harper release? Uh, you could always hindsight that thing. Sure. You, you could, always, but that was somebody you know, they, they, they could go, they could they go hoped. get, they could go get Jabril Cox. You know, he's on a practice yeah. squad. They could go get Jabril Cox if they want, but you know, they, they decided not to do that. So yeah, I, I think it'd be harder. The replacement will be, will be Micah. And what's so ironic is that remember when Micah his tank hurt his foot, the week of the Charger game, and yep. that's when and that's when Micah became pass rush guy. So now here we are, you know they lose a linebacker, so Micah has to go back to being a linebacker, which is it's unfortunate. But hopefully Dan will find ways to get him involved in the rush game as well. Yeah, and, and I mean look, Layton historically he's not reached Sean Lee levels. Like when Sean Lee would leave, they could they fell apart on defense right. completely. Um, it, it was incredible well, just how, how much he impacted Leighton yeah. Vanders isn't quite there yet, but he, similar things tend to happen when he's not in there. That's the, the thing I always worry about is Damone Clark. Cause last yeah. year when Clark, when Vanderish was gone, Clark's play went down and cause Anthony Barr, you know, they, they're just, Anthony Barr was trying to survive games. Here's Clark trying to survive games. And so it just was a really a bad fit. This this team needs Damone Clark to step up. They yep. re- they really 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 do. He played mu- played well against the Patriots. The other games he just has been okay. And but they need him to have one of these. They need a guy that's going to get you know you know eight to ten to eleven tackles a game. Be around the ball, cause turnovers. You know that's the thing about Vander Esch. I mean he's. He's instinctive. He's around the ball. He's a finisher. You know, there's a lot of things you, you absolutely love about Van Der Esch. But, man, they need Damone Clark to just all of a sudden the switch flip, and then he starts making plays. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star podcast. We appreciate you guys for joining us. Uh, you know, we a uh, little bit later this week, we had to obviously process through through all of that negativity yeah, and everything jobs else. robert that's your problem well there's that and plus i did have to go to a concert on monday it wasn't all ah, it wasn't all go. work there was there some play in there, there brian you. but there uh, i had to leave the concert early anyway i had to leave it like before the the main act got on there so it, it ruined it so it didn't matter um for brian Bradas, i'm bobby bell we will talk to you guys again next time <laughs>